Amen. Thank you, Anna. Obviously very talented. But what even means more to me is that you sang as an act of worship to God. Whatever he gives us is something we can give back to him. Thank you for that. We are continuing on a study in the life of Abraham. Titled this message, Finding the Love of Your Life. Um, read several different verses. Let's start. Uh, read 23, verse 1. Then we're going to move through uh, 24, as it says in our outline. And I'm going to add one more to 2520. So uh, with that in mind, let's stand in our God's honor as I read from the text. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. Then to 24, chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. The woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do take my son back there. And then drop down to verse 61 at the end of the chapter. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And then one more verse, 25 verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padam Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Let's pray. Father, we want our lives to be pleasing to you. And the truth is, Father, we're prone to be lonely. And it's a blessing to have someone to share life with, Father. We know we can share life with you. But, um, Father, there's this longing in us to share it with a a spouse, Father. Someone to love. Um, Father, thank you for your truth and this passage. And I just pray that you guide us as we worship you. As we look at this quest, uh, Father, where you are leading your servant, Father, to the love of his life. 
just guide us in our time together. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. We'll start with a letter. You, you remember the Dear Ann Landers letters? Uh, one lady wrote to Ann Landers and said, Why would any husband adore a lazy, messy, addle-brained wife? Her house looks as if they had moved in yesterday. She never cooks a meal. Everything's in cans or frozen. Her kids eat sent-in food. Yet this slob's husband treats her like a Dresden doll. He calls her poopsie and pet and covers the telephone with a blanket when he goes to work so she can get a rest. On weekends, he does the laundry and the marketing. I get up at 6 a.m., fix my husband's breakfast. I make his shirts because the ones in the stores don't fit right. If my husband ever emptied a wastebasket, I'd faint. Once when I found him at work and asked him to pick up a loaf of bread on his way home, he swore at me for five minutes. The more you do for a man, the less he appreciates you. I feel like an unpaid housekeeper, not a wife. What goes on anyway? The moose. That's what he calls me. Anne's response. A marriage license is not a guarantee that the marriage is going to work. Any more than a fishing license assures that you'll catch fish. It merely gives you the legal right to try. It's interesting, as I was looking through the scriptures, uh, we first learn about Abraham and his wife Sarah. He was 75, she was 65, and we just hear they're married. I don't know how long they've been married. But I know that they shared life together. And as you read through the life of Abraham, there's Sarah. The love of his life. The one that he's with. And, and you know, it's interesting. We talk about in Genesis chapter 12 where God appears to Abraham. Abram and says, it's time to go. Where are we going? You'll, uh, just follow me. We're going to head to this land that I'll lead you to. But it doesn't mention the fact Sarah went too. Sarah had to leave her home too. Sarah stood beside the love of her life to go with him to this place that God was leading. How awesome that was for Abraham to have Sarah. You know, as we read our text this morning, we see that when she died, Sarah was 127. I know how Abraham must have missed her. He was 10 years older, so that made him 137. Remember, he was 100 years old when Isaac was born, so that means here's Isaac, 37 years old, still at home, missing his mom. And Abraham thinks, man, he needs a good woman. He needs a wife. He needs what God gave me and his mom and Sarah. That, that, that was Abraham's heartbeat. And the truth of the matter is, he comes to his servant, his main servant, his chief servant, as it says in the text. and They go through what is the ritual of, of making a promise, a vow. He says, I want you to go back to the homeland there in Ur of Mesopotamia. I want you to find a wife for Isaac. Now, Mesopotamia, this was no easy task. We're talking almost 500 miles away. They didn't have cars and trucks like we do now. That was a long journey. But he took off on that 500-mile journey to fulfill that 
promise. And uh, he had said, Abraham had an assurance with this. He said, God will lead you. He said, but hey, if it doesn't work out, you're free. No hard feelings. God's going to lead you. And and I want to look at some uh, basic truths here. As we look um, in this assignment of finding a wife for Isaac that, you know, I believe relate to all of us in that quest for a relationship that will last. I think that has value. And and we want to check that out and discover that um, as Eleazar, the servant, moved forward uh, under Abraham's request. And so the first thing I want to look at here um, is first, here and he, the counsel of godly parents. Now look, I'm not trying to act like parents have all the answers. Or parents are always right. I'm not that stupid. But. Also. Don't write off what they have to say. Parents. They've known you a long time. And so they have this uncanny. Awareness of you. Listen to what they have to say. And there's some real wisdom there. Um, take it to heart. Um, uh, and, and follow what they're trying to share with you. Take, take them seriously. You see, in that day, the culture, you know, it's not like now where, you know, we think, uh, you know, I'm going to find me a honey and I'm going to marry her and all that. In those days in that culture, the parents were much more involved. And, you know, it's interesting if you think about it, you don't really marry a mere person and you marry into a family. Guys, if you don't know that yet, you will find out. That's what happens. You come together into a family And, and... you know, I guess I am getting old, but the next point, it's so obvious, and I didn't put it in my outline. I thought about it this morning. And that is, it should be saturated in prayer. I don't even have that on the outline, but it should be in there. Look at verse 10 of chapter 24. As, as we read this about the servant, Um, It says, he set out and he made his way to the town of Nahor. And then verse 11, it says, he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town, going toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water, and then he prayed. And and I don't want to just rush through that, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not all about formulas and where I am at in my Christian life, it, it, it's almost like we turn our Christianity into a self-help book. If you follow these seven stages, you will be blessed in this particular way. And everything will work out exactly like you want it to. That's just not the way it works. The Bible says that we live or we walk by faith, not by sight. And so there's this trust in God. But a part of that is the communication, which is prayer. That's what prayer is about. And so he prays. He he pours his heart out here before God. And, and he says, Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today. Show kindness to my master Abraham. He said, God, be in this. I need you to lead me, God. That's what he's saying. And, and then he lays out this scenario. We call it like a fleece. You look at the account of Gideon in the scriptures where he laid out this particular request that was very specific and and this happens here with this servant. He, he says, 
I'm standing beside the spring, God, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he lays out this very specific request. Now, I'm not specifically telling you, you know, to be a a fleece prayer. I think that's dangerous. Like if you're really in love with a person and you're going to their house, you're thinking, God, if you want me to marry this person, let every light on the way there be green. Every traffic light, if they're all green and I get there, it means he's the one or she's the one. No. That's dangerous. Where you, you know, laying out this stuff for God to do. But on the other hand, sometimes God does work that way. Sometimes in order to guide us, he gives us these insights. This was the case here. I listened to, I've told you guys listen to podcasts, but I was listening to this podcast on Family Life Today and just talking about this lady that works for Campus Crusade for Christ, and I didn't know. I'm out of the loop. Now they just call it crew instead of family, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. But anyway, this Asian lady works for Campus Crusade for Christ, and she was t- sharing her testimony um, as part of her struggle with cancer. But anyway, she said that she became a Christian in high school, and her parents um, were not Christians, and it was kind of a struggle. And then her dad went through a midlife crisis and started acting nutso, you know, bought a sports car and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden he said, honey, we're going to move. And she's like, okay, um, where are we going to move? Hong Kong. Well, they live in Colorado. So it's Hong Kong. And so she got mad at God. And she said, God, why Hong Kong? And she said, look, God, if you're real, if you're up there, then I want you to give me real friends over there that speak English. And I want you to take me to a good church to get me involved in a good youth group. Or if you don't do all that, I'd just forget you and get drunk. So anyway, she said they took the trip over to Hong Kong. She was there a short time. She got involved in debates that they spoke in English. And while they were speaking at this one debate, this guy came up to her and said, Are you a Christian? And she said, Yes. And said, Will you come with me to my church? We're having a meeting with our youth group tonight. I think you would enjoy it. And she was like, Oh, God, I remember that. That fleece, that prayer that was laid out there that you shared, Lord. And I think that as this servant laid out this fleece, and and then as we read down through the text, here comes Rebecca. And she basically fulfills his prayer request. And I think when, I love verse 15, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out. Oh, it's so good. And she comes out there, and he must have looked and just through this process and went, oh, yeah. Okay, next one here. Look for qualities that reveal true character. I think it's interesting here. As he looked at her, he saw character in her life. Uh, Verse 16, it says, The girl was very beautiful, so she was easy on the eyes. Eye candy, as they say. 
It says that she was a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She was a, a lady of character. Um, she had values. And it says that she went down the spring. She filled her jar and, and she came up again. And not only that, she was kind. And she was sensitive to this stranger. She was hospitable. <laughs> I love it. Um, it. It says the servant girl hurried to meet her and, and said, please give me a little water from your jar and she's kind she says drink my lord and then she goes back and forth as she gets waters for the animals and it as she's sensitive to him and then he gives her this gift and notice uh down in verse 30 um or or let me start 28 it says the girl ran and told her mother's household about these things rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to the man at the spring as soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebecca tell what the man said to her. He went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. He had offered her uh, some really nice jewelry that she wore, a nose ring and some bracelets. And she went home, told the family about it, and then her brother came out there and found the guy and said, uh, why don't you come home and have supper with us? As we said, um, They probably didn't say supper. That's just Bristol talk. Uh, come home with us, share a meal. So that's what happened. I want you to notice verse 21 here too, I think. Uh, it's an interesting verse. He says, without saying a word, the man watched her closely. To learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. And that kind of leads to the next one here. Proceed cautiously and think deeply. You know what happens when you get stung with a love bug? A friend of mine called it the urge to merge. You know, you want to be with somebody. You want to get married and all that. And I can remember when I was in college. And we had this thing. And man, I don't know. You just get just see someone just you know trip over yourself slobber well i don't know about that but and and i I can remember you know uh, we even had this little song with a group of our friends that we had written and uh even had motions it says uh wrapped around the finger in the hip pocket got him on a leash and so you know you could just tell when that guy was wrapped around the finger and he was in the hip pocket and he was on the leash. And yeah, it haven't sung to me one time. But okay. Um, and, I, and that didn't work out. But, you know, it's easy to get overcome with attraction. Man. But be careful. Think deeply. Make sure there's more to it than, than just that electricity because you need to be beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. And, and maybe it's wise to ask some other people because, as has been said, love's not only blind, it's stupid too. And, and, and you know, that, that happens. And so maybe to ask some people that you love and respect, tell me the truth. What do you think? How does she treat me or how does he treat me? You know, to have an honest opinion, you know, where you're not, ooh, you know, somebody that's really thinking clearly. You know, take your time, think clearly, be in prayer about the person. Um, that's important. That, that's important. I, uh, you know, I, 
love is meant to last, and it, it's more than the warm fuzzies. Uh, I know when I first came here, it was interesting to watch Clayton Leonard and his wife Dottie, who at the time she suffered from dementia, and and just the way he loved her. She had trouble remembering. You know what that's like if you've seen people struggle with that. And he was just there. He just loved her. He was just there. Just to do what needed to be done. And to comfort her. His commitment to Dottie was more than just a passing indulgence. It was love. Think about cautiously proceed and think deeply about it. Um, and then lastly here, determine there's a mutual interest in, in spiritual things. Does that person you love love the Lord? You know, Proverbs 31, 30 is so often quoted, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And there is nothing more Attractive than a heart that really loves God. And that grows. When that person has that passion and that, and that love for God, it, it, it is an attraction that, that, that grows and, and that deepens over time and, and that matters. Um, you know, today, man, there's so many ways to meet people. There's no way. I could, I could probably take the whole service just reading names of uh, online dating sites, probably who knows how many there are, and ways that people communicate, and you know now there's FaceTime and uh, Hangout and everything else where people you know can look on their phones and see each other as they talk and and write each other instantaneously. And I was telling uh, the group we went biking yesterday down the Creeper Trail and came back speckled, looked like we had measles from mud getting all over us. Had a great time. Uh, but, you know, I was telling them that when Cindy and I, early in our marriage, her best friend, they were missionaries in Portugal. And you wrote a letter. It took a month to go each way. So it took two months, you know, to have two-way correspondence. And then the mission board started using Juno, which was one of the first emails. And it was like, I can remember we wrote them a message on Juno. She wrote Tina. You know, it was just a couple hours later. And it was like, wow. Now we text somebody or we call them. And in five minutes... What's the matter? Where are they? Man, what a different world. And, and, but there's still no replacement for face-to-face time with people. Spending real time with them and not just texting time and not just on the phone. There's no replacement for that. Um, Chuck Swindoll tells a story. He went to Moody Bible Institute and he met this missionary and she talked about longing to get married, to meet someone. And she got married in the early 30s. And she said, uh, Chuck, I, I went and I bought a pair of men's trousers. And I would take them home. And I would lay them out on my bed. And I'd get down on my knees and I'd say, God, fill these trousers. I want a man. And she said, you know, this went on for a few years. But God brought a husband into my life. I'm so grateful. So Chuck said, man, I came back to my church. I said, that's a great story. That has nothing to do with my sermon, but that's a great story. I got a 
sometimes we just push stuff in our sermons because they're we think they're good, you know. And so Chuck said, so I pushed it in there. And I told this story. And he said, this one family that sat near the front, they were just spellbound. He said, it's about two weeks later. Uh, the mom came up to him and said, can I, I talk to you privately, Chuck? And he goes, yeah, sure. She said, I'm a little concerned about my teenage son. And, and I want to ask your opinion. He goes, okay, what is it? Son? Well, I've noticed for the past few days that, that my son, he's got this woman's bikini and he's laid it out on his bed. Is that okay? <laughs> Feel it, Lord. I'm sure he was praying. But the point, the point is, you know, that's a part of it. But what we need is more than a warm body. We need a person that loves Jesus. That has that passionate heart for God. I think it's beautiful here too. Um, as he comes down here in verse 24. I mean chapter 24 at the end. I love this. Uh, what a love story. You know in those last couple of verses. Um, of chapter 24 as, as we read. I'll start 64. Well, 63, it says that uh, Isaac went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. And Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from the camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? You know, in the day's vernacular, it might be, mm, Who is that? You know? And, and they came, and I love this man. The servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married Rebekah. <laughs> so she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for the comfort that you bring in relationships and Father, what we want is what you want us to have, Lord. Um, and I just pray for your people, Father. You know where we are in our lives. Um, I pray for the one who desperately wants to know, Father, who do you want me to meet? Or is this person that I have met the one you want me to be with for my life? Father, we pray for your guidance and your leadership. I, I thank you for Rebecca's family as you read in that passage where they said, God must be in this. Um, what do you want to do, Rebecca? She said, I, I want to go. Father, may we have that same courage um, to think things through and to pray and to look for the character and those things that are pleasing to you and May we follow your leadership and your guidance, Father. Um, I just pray that you'd work among us in this way. Um, and Father, obviously life without you is destined to be a mess. And so as we come to this time of response and invitation, it's always about, am I submitted to you, God? Have I first taken you into my heart to start that faith journey with you, the living God? 
And if the answer is no for anybody here, what better time than now to say, Jesus, forgive me, enter my heart. You are the living Lord. Live in me that I may be alive in God and be forgiven. What a great joy that would be for that to occur now, Father, in someone's life. And I just make that plea, Father, for someone who you may have directed here today to trust you for the first time. And, Father, for others who are making decisions that matter, lasting decisions, I pray, Father, for your guidance. I pray that you might speak to them, Father. And we just trust you in that. And, Father, for an altar that's open, I pray, Father, that you would bring those that you want to pray. And who, Father, just want to submit to you um, at the altar. Father, guide us in this time as we stand, as we sing, as we worship, as we respond. May you be in all of it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.